What is the Xbox expansion pass? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, hello. Greetings. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Installation 04. Greetings to all of you reclaimers here on Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> Xbox Expansion. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 121 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, February 27th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we're talking the reveal of Street Fighter VI, PlayStation Spartacus leaks, and of course, the launch of the much-anticipated Elden Ring. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XCP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to Mr. Nicholas Downey. Nick was over was a guest over on Xbox A, the Canadian Xbox podcast by Court Lalonde and Matt Midwood. Uh, and he had some very kind things to say about uh, XEP and myself. And uh, it was kind of cool to just tune in, jump in the comments, and then all of a sudden hear kind of uh, a wash of compliments coming from those guys. And so I really appreciate it. And Nick, I had no idea you listened to the show so regularly. So shout out to you, my friend. Now, I appreciate you and you absolutely made my week better, good sir. Uh, let's see, guys, we've got some housekeeping to get to before we rock into the news. It'll be a largely Elden Ring heavy show because, I mean... Elden Ring. Whew, lots to say on that, especially as a newcomer to Souls games. A lot of you writing in questions on that particular topic. But before we get there, we have two simultaneous giveaways going on. Uh, at the moment, I would like to give away two copies of Gunborg Dark Matters. Of course, we had Rick Powell uh, Studios on the show last week. Uh, I passed on some codes that were given to me uh to some xbox content creators shout out to you guys i hope you're enjoying the game and able to make content there uh but as i like to do when i get free copies of games i like to purchase it and purchase them and support the developer as well uh, so drop your gamer tag into uh, the twitter thread for this episode i've already got a few gamer tags for the gunboard giveaway big mad mo mostly martinez Uwe, and court lalonde all dropping their gamer tags uh, over in the twitter space so when the Twitter thread for this episode goes live. Uh, drop your gamer tag in there and maybe tag the, the developers and send them some good vibes as well. That's Rick Powell Studios for Gunborg. Uh, but if you're here for the Elden Ring giveaway, I'm just feeling generous this week. I got a free code for Elden Ring as well. I played it early. Uh, and so I thought I would, I would gift the game to uh, a listener as well. Uh, drop your gamer tag into the YouTube comments. North American only, unfortunately, because that's the only way for me to gift it through xbox live but i enjoyed doing that and giving back to you guys uh i was fortunate to get a free code for elden ring and one for gunborg and so it just makes sense to support the developers financially as i am able uh and i've got a lot to say on elden ring and many of you 
wrote in. I'm going to do my best to answer your individual questions, uh, as well as kind of just addressing some of the overall topics. Let's get right to Elden Ring with no real big transition. Uh, many people from, from Famous Seamus and Charles J. Simmons, Matt Kennedy, Xbox Gamer, Blaze Knight, and several others wrote in questions, essentially asking, you know, where they could could stand as far as getting Elden Ring. Now, for context to any listener outside of those who have seen Twitter threads, I am not the traditional Dark Souls, Bloodborne style player. Uh, I am not necessarily a newcomer to them, but I don't really enjoy them. Lords of the Fallen and Jedi Fallen Order, along with Darksiders 3, are as close as I come to enjoying that genre, which for any seasoned Dark Souls fan will be, you know, they'll scoff at that idea, right? That That's not really truly what people mean when they think of FromSoft style games. Uh, so that was my approach to Elden Ring, was not being overly familiar, but wanting to participate. Elden Ring has seemed to have an effect on the industry where many people are seeing it and saying, this is the one, this is the FromSoft game I want to get into. Uh, and I include myself into that factor and going in as a relative newcomer to the game, I was excited, nervous, uh, and a bit a bit hesitant, I suppose is the right word. The game has released to critical reception, 10 out of 10 on almost every single site. And I would argue as a newcomer to, to this genre, uh, I nearly agree with all of them. This game is absolutely fantastic. It's stunning in almost every single way. Uh, I would give it so much high praise. I don't think any of those 10 out of 10s are unjust. However, as a newcomer, I do have a few gripes with it here and there, but it should not be lost in the shuffle that this game is fantastic. I have gotten many questions, uh, including this one from Famous Seamus, who said, would Elden Ring be a good game for someone who has never played a Souls game? Also, does the open world nature of the game help to make it easier? Uh, so this is a great, great question that many of you echoed. As a newcomer to the genre, should you be diving into Elden Ring? And my answer is... Uh, absolutely, you should play it if you are interested and committed to the experience. There is no doubt whatsoever that this is, to me, the most approachable of the Souls games from the perspective of someone who, who isn't traditionally good at them or enjoy them. I think the open world nature absolutely does a fantastic job at making the game more approachable because if you are stuck on any given enemy, you can just go explore the rest of the world and use any of the experience and ruins you get to level yourself up. And that's really the joy of Elden Ring is if something is befuddling you or causing you issues, you can just go off in a different direction. Without a doubt, that's the game's biggest strength is that you can explore and you can explore at your, your whims content. And if something is not clicking for you in the moment, you just change directions and go somewhere else. To its credit, I think Elden Ring does a very good job of providing save checkpoints called uh, points of grace within one minute of each other. So if you ride in any particular direction uh, for about a minute or so, you will likely come upon a point where you can save and rest uh, and, and make sure that you kind of have a point where you don't lose an, a, an extensive amount of progress. And to me, that has been the great saving grace of this game. Uh, I was really hesitant to say that I liked Elden Ring prior to launch. And I had a bit of a conundrum that thankfully none of you guys will experience um, but I was very fortunate to get a copy of Elden Ring early. The problem with getting it early is that there don't exist guides or public information that you can access to make your journey easier. And so 
much of my first five to seven hours as a newcomer was spent trying to figure out the game systems because it is not handholdy, and I think that's to its detriment. Now that there are guides available, I would encourage all of you to go to IGN. Specifically, they have kind of a, a page dedicated, and I'll put it in the show notes, to things that you should know when starting Elden Ring. Uh, there are a lot of videos out there, but IGN's breakdown was so helpful to me when the game came out that it really changed my tune on it. I played maybe six hours before release, and I was just so frustrated. But once it became public to, to put information out there, and I was able to read reviews and check out guides, suddenly I find myself north of 20 hours at the time of this recording with no intention of stopping. I think this is a fantastic video game. But there are a lot of things that will... Uh, I feel unhelpfully stop people from exploring and enjoying the game. And let me talk you through some of those things so that if you are like me and you are someone who is hesitant to start it or like Matt Kennedy right in saying, I'm a wannabe from software player. I love their games, but get discouraged too quickly. Uh, and he hears that Elden Ring is more approachable. Yeah, Matt, Elden Ring is more approachable for a lot of reasons that I'll get into, but there are some things that are going to hold you back if you're a wannabe player. Uh, pardon that noise that you just heard. That was my notebook because I took notes on this. So a couple things that will stop you as a new player uh, if you don't access a guide, which you should do, especially if you're a new player, there's no pause button. You cannot pause the game, and I've yet to figure out why that is. To me, that's a problem, right? If you're playing offline in single player, the idea that you can't pause is very frustrating. That might be an encumbrance to you. You do get used to it because what you'll find is that ambiently in the world, and there's usually a place to just chill and nobody will bother you. Um, but it is frustrating to not be able to pause the game, particularly if you've got stuff going on around you. Uh, there's also no directions as far as where to go, what to do. Uh, there are no character descriptions when you're choosing your character. There are none that are obvious that'll say, hey, if you choose Vagabond, this will be the play style. Hey, if you choose Astrologer or Warrior, this will be the play style that you're choosing. Lacking descriptions like that to me is just bad design. Uh, amidst a game that is near perfect in its design, that's a big oversight and it feels intentional like they purposely wanted it to be nebulous and i don't think that's to its benefit i think that's a bad thing um i chose warrior and it is suiting my play style of hacks and slashes just fine you know block parry hack and slash um, but there are some far more complicated and intentionally unique builds that come with different character classes but the game doesn't do a good job of explaining them to you so my suggestion would be to read up on it before you start it. As I said, this is a game that if you are are on the fence but you, about getting, but you want to play it, get it. Um, absolutely get it, because if you're willing to commit the time to learn it, you're in for a wonderfully joyful experience. But if you're kind of like, hey, I want to go in, but I wish it had easy mode and this, and you're kind of that player, yeah, you should probably wait for a sale. I, I would say wait for a sale. Uh, but, it, it, you know, no pause, no character descriptions as far as the, the classes um, and very little direction as far as what to do with items or how to equip things. It'll give you some basic stuff like how to equip a weapon or a shield or something. But I found myself super encumbered by the idea of, of equipping things to my pouch before there was a release to, to have people give guides. And then I found that once the game came out, there were whole pages dedicated on IGN and such to how to equip things in your pouch because people were finding it so difficult. Um, difficult may not be the right word. It's just not obvious stuff, right? I can see a lot of veteran FromSoft players, and I've noticed it too, 
from my buddy, uh, my buddy Ains. That's right, buddy. Yeah, Ains has been so supportive, by the way. But like, I can sense a little bit of like, Luke, what are you doing here? Like, why aren't you figuring this out? And it's because the game is like speaking a new language to me. It's really been interesting. And I, I use the analogy of I am speaking a new language and playing Elden Ring. I'm having to learn something. And there's little stuff that I should be able to figure out as a veteran gamer and someone who can do certain games on legendary, like Halo and stuff. This is like a whole new world for me. It doesn't tell you how to equip things to your pouch. And so that will definitely be a frustration point. And so I've also found uh, that there are things the game wants you to do that it doesn't tell you to do. In the opening hour or two hours of the game, you should just run past certain enemies. I couldn't get over that at first. Like the idea that I should just skip the enemy, it's right there. I'm like I'm supposed to beat it in order to progress the game. That's not how Elden Ring works. Run past it. Go to the next point of grace. The goal in your opening few hours should be to unlock as many points of grace as possible and explore the world. And what you'll find is that this the opening area is huge. And you're going to think that's the whole game. It's not the whole game. The game is so much bigger than you realize. Um, I have friends that are veteran from players that are uh, 80 hours plus into the game thanks to, to getting it early. And they're only scratching the surface of 50% completions. And that is imposing and intimidating. But if you are like me and you are in that newcomer realm, I don't think that should sway you off. This is a game that you'll be playing for years. Everybody scoffs at the Breath of the Wild comparisons, but there is a Breath of the Wild comparison to be had in that it wants you to explore the world in your way. It can give you missions. You can go a crit path if you need to, but it's not going to be obvious and evident in it and it's not going to handhold you and so there is something to be said for that i'm finding that there are whole things in the opening hours that i missed there's a tutorial dungeon that you can just miss to me that's bad design right like they should just present that with you as an option but it exists and is there uh and so in a world now where there are guides to do it if you're wanting to check it out you should but uh, I'm spending a lot of time trying to, to give you cautionary tales, and I want to give you that cautionary tale because so many of you asked from that perspective. Um, Xbox Gamer wrote in specifically saying, is there a best way for newbies to grind? Yeah, the truth is you spawn at a point of grace, you go out, you kill some of the world enemies, learn how to fight, learn your character, gain those ruins. Ruins are, are experience points, by the way, and you can sell things, like acquire, like as you're running, just acquire materials, right? Like you can just tap Y as you're running past certain plants and acquire them. Collect a ton of those. They're free, they're easy, and they're fast, especially when you're riding around on your horse. Uh, and you can just sell them for ruins, which is just how you upgrade your character. Easy, like super easy to do. That's a great way to do it. I'm 20 hours in and I'm level 34, uh, which means nothing if you haven't played it. But to, to some people, you're, you're probably kind of like, oh, okay, 34, I know what that means. Um, I would, I've, I've killed some mini bosses. I've killed uh, a character named Margit, uh, and I'm in a castle and that's kind of like the opening big, big boss. Like there's some, there are mini bosses and there are bosses and then there are world enemies that have health bars. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to break that down, but I feel very accomplished in what I've killed at this point. But, I, but Xbox gamer, I do go out and grind the world. I'll kill, uh, different vagabond air, uh, groups that are out there. Some of these tall boys that are giant, they look like monkeys with hollowed out stomachs uh, and they slam the ground. I'll go and farm them uh, and and kill them and level myself up because it's easy to do and it's fun. There's an enjoyable element of progression, 
But if I find myself too weak on a various mini boss, I'll just leave it and come back to it later. There's a lot of options you can mess around with on the the map to give yourself markers if you want that. I've kind of avoided doing that, if I'm being honest, um, in favor of just remembering things because that's how I like to do it. But yeah, there, there's just, just go out and play in the world and avoid things that are too difficult. Don't stress yourself out as far as going to a certain boss or mini boss and just farm the world. Uh, there's nothing overly complex or special in that respect. Um, it encourages and supports the idea that you should just explore. And one of the things you will find in exploring it and learning some of the do's and don'ts on your own is that the game is immaculately designed. It's beautiful. The lighting in this game is just astounding and wonderful. And it's really cool to be riding along and seeing these brilliant contrasts of light and dark thanks to these glowing trees and glowing vistas that are out in the distance um, with very little popping and stuttering. I mean, the visuals to me on my Xbox Series X have been wonderful. I've seen some people mention stuttering and frame drops, uh, and I can't tell if they're like super elitist frame counters, but to me, to my amateur eye, I'm really impressed with how the game looks and feels. I have found several frustration points in my 20 some hours. And yeah, I mean, there are times where I feel like I've died and I'm like, well, they changed the rules of that fight, but then you go back and, and you, you tackle it again. That's kind of the joy of from software games is you learn how to fight different enemies. And then you go back with that knowledge and that knowledge is going to serve you very well. Um, but yeah, grinding the world and exploring is its own natural sense of progression. And, you know, after you kind of jump into the first few things that you should do and know when starting Elden Ring and you read kind of that article, because you need to do that. Like you really need to do that as a newcomer. Um, I think some purists will say, don't do that, but I am all about it. Go check out those those quick articles, learn a few things about how to play. Because if you are, are someone like, you know, me, you want to play this game. You really want to, but there are just things that stop you from enjoying it. Again, the character descriptions, the no pause, uh, doesn't explain how to equip certain elements, doesn't really do a good job of telling you how to augment your weapons with ashes of war or uh, enhance things with different type of summons and, and uh, strengthening your armor. Those things are not evident. They're very obtuse. And to me, that's a, a fault in From Software games. And purists might be like, well, get good, because that's kind of the default argument which to me is very shallow and silly and not um not to the benefit of the genre they could have done such a better job at onboarding new players into the game or genre overall because elden ring presents an opportunity uh that i don't think any previous from software game has had uh, this presents an opportunity to bring millions of new players into their world which on a business sense is great but uh, really, it bodes well for the future of the genre, which has now become kind of its own thing. Uh, and they don't onboard players well. Uh, they, they leave that to IGN and, and SkillUp and so many other places. And that stinks. That stinks. But that said, I'm having such a great time with it. And uh, really and truly, guys, I recommend this to you. Blaze Knight writing in saying he's been watching some Elden Ring, listening to all the hype around it. Uh, quick interruption there. Yeah, the hype has been awesome. To see so many people giving it 10 out of 10. Um, that makes you want to play it more, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it have that effect on you guys where you're just like, oh, there's this great thing. I want to jump in with it. Uh, Blaze Knight continues. I'm honestly starting to think I should try the game, but I've never done a Souls game and I tend to enjoy games in easy mode. Would you recommend the game to a newbie? Uh, 
to be very clear, and I think I've said this 108 times, I'm going to say it 109 for anyone else listening. If you want to play Elden Ring and you really want it and you're willing to go to the guide and you're willing to die a good few times and explore the world, you can do it. It is very doable. That's one of the things it doesn't do a good job at showing you is that you can absolutely play this game. But but like me, uh, you're probably going to have to commit to the idea of you're teaching yourself a new video game language. And that is the hardest part because you'll find yourself dying and you're like, no, I can do this better. I want to learn this. But your hands and your brain don't work in a new way. I found myself trapped in a certain area, right? And uh, it's called the round table. Yeah, that's not really a spoiler, so, so deal with that. Um, and I could not get out of it. I was like, how do I get out of here? I can't beat this little mini boss thing that it's trying to do at the time. Uh, and I don't know how to get out. So I messaged Ainsley Bowden again. And he's like, Luke, you just fast travel out of there. And I was so flabbergasted that someone like myself who's been gaming for decades, who can beat so many games on Legendary, Solo, and just, you know, I've done so many great things in my gaming history, like beating games on the hardest difficulty and such. I couldn't remember to fast travel out of, a, of an area. And it's because my brain is getting rewired to play this new Hideki Kamiya game. I'm having to rewire everything I know about how to play in a world like this. And that's part of the fun, but it also is frustrating. And I find myself needing to take breaks time and again. And like many difficult moments in games, you'll take the break, you'll come back to that area and you'll wipe them on the first or second try, right? That happens a lot. And there is a, a risk reward benefit that uh, from software purists have been talking about for years, but newcomers haven't been able to approach well because there weren't ways to, to level yourself up and grind in a way that you might want to. Elden Ring provides that thanks to its open world, and there's always a reward out in the distance, and that's, to me, its biggest benefit. I have no idea what is happening with the store, story and the, the lore of this game. I have no idea what's happening, and I'm typically the guy that loves lore. That's the big joke, right? Uh, I love lore in video games. I have no clue what is happening in this. Uh, probably because there's so much time spent in between cutscenes for me. Uh, and they're all speaking in this weird kind of fantasy level code that some things just aren't direct, right? And so with so much time in between moments and with so many bosses not being true crit path bosses and they're just side elements, I, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what different classes of enemies are. I, I don't know. I'm not encumbered or bothered by that. To me, that's what YouTube is for later on. Um, whereas with Halo, I would track everything and understand it. So that's been an interesting uh, element as well. One thing that I've not tried yet that I'm anxious to try is co-op, right? There are ways to, to play with your friends and your buddies. And I think it's a really obtuse system the way they have it. You need like broken bloody fingers and different finger types let you bring in players or invade somebody else's game. And to me, that's just intentionally obtuse. You could just say, join a player, multiplayer, join this this guy, that guy, you know, like that's really dumb in my mind. But uh, at the same time, as a newcomer to the genre, maybe that's just how it is. Maybe my frustrations with some of those naming conventions that they've got are what somebody that jumps into Halo or Gears would be equally flabbergasted by certain elements. Maybe, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but in large part, if you're willing to commit to, to Elden Ring and you want to play it, I think you should get it. Um, th there's no doubt of the quality of this game. But if you're still on the fence after hearing kind of my 
15 or so minute explanation for how my experience has gone 20 hours in, then wait for a sale. You know, why not? But but know that if you're a newcomer to the genre, you'll be treated really well if you use a guide and support yourself. But if you go in truly blind and you're, you're like, I want to experience everything, I think you'll leave very frustrated and I think you'll put it down. I, I was ready to put it down uh, pre-release before the information became public, which is a, a privileged thing to say, but also it's kind of a, a good education point to say, yo, if you're not going to look anything up, I think you'll be bothered. But if you're willing to look stuff up, there's a lot of great moments. And um, I can't tell you the amount of elation I felt in different success points and the satisfaction of leveling up um, different characters and experience in the world. And I can't wait to play with my buddy, Kev, who I'm going to give a shout out to my buddy, Kevin. I need a hero, hometown hero. Um, he lost 100 pounds. He lost 100 pounds. And so um, as a congratulatory gift, I sent him Elden Ring and, and I'm so excited to play with him. How cool is that, right? That's 100 pounds, my man. I mean, the pandemic has done a lot of bad things for us, um, but he should be very proud of himself. So that's that's just amazing and awesome. And yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So let's let's take a break from Elden Ring talk, and then we'll move into some of the other small stories kind of going about um, this past week. Then we've got some listener mail, and then we're rolling out. I mean, it was an Elden Ring heavy episode, which that's great because I want to get back and play some more. All right, Capcom has revealed Street Fighter VI in what might be the most disappointing reveal of a fighting game that I've seen around. No information about Street Fighter VI coming on the back of the announcement of the final fighter for Street Fighter V. No information as to whether or not Street Fighter VI is exclusive to any particular genre. Uh, I'm sorry, not genre, uh, platform, I should say. You know, the idea is like, is it going to be just for PlayStation? At this time of this recording, I am unaware of it being exclusive to any platform or not right like there's no information on that we just got two roided out pictures of ryu and another fighter uh in which you could see uh, their genitals and the outline of their clothing which was the big talk of the talk of the land people calling it street fighter dick and that was i thought a clever way of putting it uh you know rhyming with six sticks you know there you go um, but it was un- it was just weird to see, you know, I guess you would say just atypical. And I really don't like the the art look of Ryu in this particular one. And I love Street Fighter. I have. Well, I should say Street Fighter four was my favorite Street Fighter. I love that game. I had a fight stick. I love it. Oh, gosh, I miss Street Fighter so much. But when I went exclusive and I didn't like the design of Street Fighter five, Street Fighter five uh, or the art style. And Street Fighter Six did not do anything to sell me with its very brief teaser, but it felt like much ado about nothing in this reveal. That said, if it does go multi-platform, if it is available for us to to experience on multiple platforms, I'm excited for what it could mean. But Capcom has given a lot of mixed track record in the past few years, so there's I'm unsure of how to feel about it at this point. But the countdown to that reveal was really lackluster. People wondering if it was the next Resident Evil, the next Street Fighter, and then it was just a quick teaser and said, more information this summer. Nah, that felt odd. That felt real odd. Um, I I don't know. Uh, The other kind of talking point news this past week was that Spartacus information has been leaked by Jeff Grubb over on GamesBeat. Uh, and that is it, right? Like all we have is his leak to go on with different pricing structures. And it's, it's a a weird feeling. Like, do I want to talk about this? Do I not? Because it is reported on by Jeff Grubb, but no official comment at the time of this speaking. 
Uh, PlayStation, of course, riding high. They've got PSVR 2 stuff rolling out there. Uh, they've got Horizon Forbidden West that's releasing to a ton of critical acclaim, and the game looks beautiful there. Uh, it's it's interesting to watch, kind of on the outside looking in as far as uh, platforms are concerned. But according to, to Jeff Grubb over on GameBeat, there are tiers of this new PlayStation service that we're codenaming Spartacus, $10, $13, and $16 a month, and giving you kind of various access to what looks to be a combination of PS Plus and PlayStation now merging, which is what we thought. Um, supposedly, you know, so Sony is calling these tiers uh, essential, extra, and premium for the $10, $13, and $16, respectfully. Uh, and at various points, they give you access to different parts of the catalog. The premium tier at 16 bucks a month includes uh, access to, to monthly games into your library, uh, a game catalog of hundreds of older games that you can also download, and it looks like that's going to be mostly the same as the PlayStation Now stuff, whereas the $10 a month category, which is the essential, gives you access to games every month that you can add to your library. That's just PlayStation Plus. Um, at the, the premium tier, the $16 one, you get all of that with, with PlayStation Now as well as game trials, which sounds like it's going to be similar to what EA Access gives you in its 10-hour trial. I don't know. It's so vague. It's hard to like say, this is what I think versus, you know, Game Pass or Xbox Live Gold or anything. And so it feels like a non-story, but it also feels like something to reference if it is meant to be a competitor to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, the biggest thing missing at this point in any of the reporting is the launch of games day and date into the service. But Phil Spencer has commented multiple times that Microsoft expects that to be a PlayStation strategy going forward. And I would argue that if you're getting paying 16 bucks a month, uh, you should be getting games day and date because that's the value set forth by Microsoft as far as its competitor service. So I, I wonder how it would be received. There's no official word. Maybe it'll be out by the time we do the next episode of XEP, uh, but we'll see. We'll see, you know, apparently it's in a testing phase and we're going to get new, new, new news this March. It would make sense. A lot of rumors are saying you're going to get a state of play in March. Uh, and I'd be very interested to know what that state of play entails and whether or not that puts pressure on Microsoft to do its own type of, of communication to fans. Because at the moment, this this year is looking pretty dry for Microsoft in terms of first party releases. And there's a healthy transition into uh, questions that both famous Seamus and Suddy asked. I'm going to quote James Suddy uh, with his question. He's saying, I know you have, not, have already stated that you're not particularly excited for this year's Xbox first-party releases, but now that we're through the first quarter, there is nothing on my radar. Uh, what's the next big release for Xbox first or third-party? I want something to get hyped for. Well, kind of hard to argue his point about, you know, I'm not overly excited for Xbox's first-party stuff because at the moment it's Redfall and Starfield. Uh Sea of Thieves has done a, the first of their kind of story missions that are launching into the service as a, as a games of service. They've got their next Plunder Pass coming up with Season 6 in a few weeks. Uh, so in the live service realm, you've got Sea of Thieves content coming. You can expect an expansion to Forza Horizon 5, and you can expect kind of new stuff happening this summer with Halo Infinite, right? Um, I would expect that Halo Infinite gives you the true version of what that game wants to be, Uh kind of come August. I think by that time you'll be getting what, what the studio really wants it to be. And, and they've been doing a great job with content, but even I've slowed down on playing multiplayer. The fractured event didn't really do it for me uh, just because it needs more. 
thankfully there's no real competition in the shooter space. So Halo's got some good breathing room and, and it's good because they want to work out some of the kinks and get some expansion levels into into what what Infinite's going to be as far as a platform. So for me, I'm not looking forward to anything first party for Microsoft as far as a new game releases at this time. Redfall and Starfield are too nebulous for me. Uh, forgive the, the star pun there. But maybe it's the expansion to Forza Horizon or to Halo Infinite that brings me in as far as first party. In the third party space, though, this is an interesting question. A lot of people have asked, you know, like, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, well, I'll tell you this. Elden Ring caught me by surprise. So I'll be playing Elden Ring for a good bit. I just wrapped up Dying Light 2, which is a great video game. Uh, I would say it's the top top tier of double A, right? Like it's just a great double A game. But man, the ending soured me on the experience because it lasts forever. And I was just skipping dialogue by the end. I think I put 40 hours into Dying Light 2, which is a great game. Like, right? Like that's a lot of joy to have be had there. But it dragged on a bit. And I was fully intending to jump into cyberpunk next because they dropped that new patch. It looks great. looks like it's being well-received. That's what they get, want the game to be. And then Eldering kind of caught me off guard. So in my slate, what I'm looking forward to is jumping into cyberpunk whenever I choose to put Elden ring down, which, you know, recency bias, I'm not doing that anytime soon. Uh, I'm going to be playing, you know, Elden ring. I'm going to be playing Avengers. I'm going to be playing infinite and in different spurts. And I'm back in on Fortnite. Um, but as far as new games to look forward to in March, a couple people were, were kind of referencing, you know, what's next apart from just Suddy and Seamus. Um, I am looking forward to Shadow Warrior 3. I know I'm going to be getting a review code for that one, and I'm going to uh, be covering it on the channel. I'm looking forward to Shadow Warrior 3, without a doubt. Um, we had people write in saying they're looking forward to Tiny Tina. Um, cool. I know Kevin, the Muffin Mon over at uh, Xbox. Oh, my gosh. Xbox Factor. Nope, that's not right. How am I playing? Oh, Project X Talk. Good Lord. Sorry, Kevin. Um, he's looking forward to Triangle Strategy. I don't even know what that is. Uh, but, you know, we had a bunch of people write in different games they were looking forward to. And Weird West and Shadow Warrior 3 are the two that are on my radar. But it's Cyberpunk and Elden Ring as far as big games. And beyond that, I'm not really excited for anything except for Gotham Knights. And there's no info on that at the moment. So, yeah, that's... That's it for me. I don't really have like a, a big Xbox slate, you know, like there's not really much in this year for me, which is weird. But at the same time, like I'm good. There's a lot to play. There's a lot to play. And I would expect as we see some of these games arriving so hot, we see some of these games needing a release plus patches to really execute on their vision uh, with the pandemic, with now the political climate of the war with Russia and Ukraine and what that's likely going to do to a number of developers. You know, you have to imagine Stalker 2 gets delayed again, given the fact that, that they're in a war-torn country. Um, and then the surrounding European countries are likely going to be impacted as well. You're in for another year of unique gaming climate. And it's weird to say that it, you're in for another year of uniqueness because that's kind of becoming our normal, right? Um, and I would argue to anybody, and this is kind of a, a venture away from like what's coming out, but it is okay to use your social media spaces, in my opinion, to just enjoy video games and to ignore certain elements, uh, provided you're aware of them on, on the periphery, right? Like, I don't think it's insensitive to enjoy your social media platform in a strictly gaming sense or sports sense. Uh, but in, in saying that, also being aware of the political climates uh, of what is going on, Ukraine, Russia, and our own, you know, in, in the United States and in North America, there's still a lot of turmoil, right? Canadian border trucker convoy of ignorance. 
uh, moving around, doing different things and just the political element. It's been tough the last few years and I've used gaming as requiem for a lot of that. And I don't think that's a bad thing provided you're staying informed. Uh, what you should never do is is attack people for how they're needing to use their platform, going after them at different points. But um, as I round back to my topic, I would think that a lot of games that you're set to get are going to be delayed for either political or pandemic reasons. Um, and acknowledging that, knowing that, and, and doing your best to support games where you can. Uh, why not go and support some indies or, or take away at that backlog or, or whatnot? To me, that's a good thing, right? Like there may not be much new for me, but there's a lot to play. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a lot to play. And so my hope is that amidst all the frustration, why not, why not uh, use our voices positively, support the developers and, and let them know that you heard about their game or played their game, enjoyed their game to give them a bit of brightness in their own timelines, which are likely a bit bleak at various points, no matter where you are. For sure. For sure. I apologize for the the tangent on that one, but it, it occurred to me as I was talking that sometimes we we lament people who are using their social spaces differently than what we expect them to, and it's their prerogative to do that. And I don't think it's bad that you keep it in just the gaming space or that you need to venture out of it, provided you're being respectful in all accounts. And just use it to brighten people's day wherever you can, because goodness knows we need that. Oh, good. I think that's a good spot to wrap. I know... It, it's a pretty much a solo show, uh, mostly Elden Ring focused. Of course, uh, feel free to support XEP on all your social media platforms. Click the like, share, and subscribe button. Thank you to those of you who wrote in. I didn't get to some of your questions. Edward Bardell, I'm sitting on one from you. Rocket Scientist, I've got a few from you. Uh, and a few of you guys, you, you wrote in questions that I think I addressed, but they were also similar about Elden Ring. I apologize if I didn't give you a shout out uh, at any different point there. All right, guys, drop your gamer tags, support each other, click like, all that jazz. Uh, I appreciate you guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your gaming week. Take care.